brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Does not compute. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank you. Not everything computes. No, not everything. But uh, the the lady we'll be talking about in this podcast sure did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, let's talk about her. Uh, this is, comes courtesy of a little listener mail. And uh, this listener mail is actually a twofer. We got two requests in the space of a week, which is not a big surprise considering the the subject of this um, this podcast. It's a listener mail rock block. Yeah. So this comes from Bridget and Adam. So uh, I'll read Bridget's first. Uh, Bridget is from Australia, uh, but I'm not going to try and do an Australian accent because whenever I do, I sound like a New Zealander who suffered massive head trauma. So here is Bridget's email. Good day, Chris and Jonathan. I've been spending some time lately looking to inspirational people in hope of finding a suitable name for my soon-to-be-born child. Such searching brought me to Ada Lovelace, otherwise known as the mother of coding. I have done a little research into Ada and found that there is some discussion as to whether she deserves this moniker. Was Ada Lovelace the first computer programmer and therefore a worthy namesake for my future daughter? Let me know what you think. Cheers, Bridget. And uh, Adams was, I recently learned a little about Ada Lovelace, the first woman to write an algorithm that would be read by a computer and thought it would make a great podcast. I love the show. Keep up the amazing work. Can you also do a show on the LHC, please? Cheers. Insert beer clink sound here. All right, Bridget and Adam, this is our uh, podcast about uh, Ada, not about the LHC. Um, Jonathan, we, we can't do this podcast. What, what do you mean we can't do this podcast? Well, it's already been done. I mean, Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's already done a whole podcast. There's a podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class? There is. It's wonderful. Uh, Is that the one with Katie and Sarah? It is indeed. And they talked about Ada Lovelace already. They did. And they did really well. You know what we should do? What's that? We should just have their podcast play. Okay. And then we'll sign off. All right, we'll just insert their podcast here, and then no, come we back. can't. We can't do okay. that. We can't do that. Besides, they specifically mentioned us in that podcast. Well, maybe what we should do then is talk specifically about her computer programming expertise and how she managed to do that, considering she lived in the 1800s. Yeah, you would think she lived before computers. How could she have written a computer programmer? Uh-huh. Program rather, not <laughs> she, programmer. She wrote a programmer. Yeah, yeah it's been a long <laughs> week. Well, we're going to do this on Friday afternoon. Clearly not. But we're going to tell you how she wrote a computer program. Okay. uh, First of all, Bridget, I'm going to get this out of the way. First of all, congratulations on your child. Oh, absolutely. Um, And also, Ada is more than worthy, I would say. In fact, I kind of fell in love with this lady the more I read about her. Yeah, actually, her first name wasn't Ada. No, it was uh, Augusta. Augusta Ada Byron. Yeah, Augusta Ada Byron, daughter of Lord Byron, the poet. Yes, uh, she was born December 10th, 1815, uh, the daughter of Lord George Gordon Byron and Annabella Milbank Byron. Um, actually, her parents married on the 2nd of January in 1815, but were separated by January 16th, 1816. Yeah, so the marriage lasted a full year and a, a week and a half. Yeah, just long enough to uh, to have the first computer programmer born to them. Right. Um, so, yes, they're... they're 
marriage was not a happy one, her parents. Uh, and uh, in fact, um, young Ada was never to meet her father. No. Uh, mm-hmm. Was separated. Um, she lived with her mom, and her mom had decided that Ada did not really need to have the distractions of poetry. She thought that Byron's uh, rather unpredictable personality let's call it that shall we um <laughs> was due to his romanticism and his obsession with poetry yeah let's just and and annabella the the mother uh felt that the that such qualities were not really admirable she didn't want her daughter to have the same sort of personality and uh and and wanton lifestyle as the father did had so um so she thought, well, what's the least poetic thing I can push my daughter into? I happen to be an amateur mathematician. Let's push her into mathematics. Yeah, actually, uh, as a matter of fact, I found out that uh, Lord Byron had referred to his uh, very uh, brief married married wife. Um, uh, he called Annabella the Princess of Parallelograms. Yes, that was How not poetic. It was not meant to be a um, compliment. Nonetheless, but still, she, it does illustrate that she had a mathematical bent herself. And uh, what I find interesting is that uh, not only uh, were Lord Byron's uh, poetical genes evident later in Ada's life, but uh, it's, actually she ended up being sort of a blend of both of her parents, as is appropriate for this case. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ada herself received a, a, a wonderful, wonderful title mm-hmm. uh, given to her by, by Charles Babbage, whom we'll, we'll discuss at length in a little bit, uh, the Enchantress of Numbers, Yeah, which I That's think is, nice. is an amazing, amazing phrase and very fitting as well. So Ada grows up uh, with some of the best tutors in that you can imagine during this time. Oh, yeah. Um, she studies mathematics and is absolutely fascinated with them, yes. with the, the subject of mathematics, and is incredibly adept and amazing student. In fact, the more we researched Ada, the more I realized anyway that she was phenomenally more intelligent than I am. <laughs> I mean, I can't even really compare. Uh, she was able to to understand uh, algorithms that, that completely baffle me and uh, was able to, uh, to really study them in a way that she found fascinating. I find them perplexing and maddening. She yes. found it as having its own kind of poetry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, you think about it, well, this kind of makes sense. You know, we, we when you really look at algorithms, we're talking about things like number theory right. and how the universe sort of works, like how things kind of fit together. And we express this more often than not through mathematic equations and, and algorithms and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And she was able to see that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm under, I can understand the underlying concept, but when you get beyond that, it just, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a fish out of water. Yeah, I understand. Well, let's see. Um, somebody who else who was fascinated with her uh, would be uh, William King. Yes, he was so fascinated with her. He married her. Yeah. Well, the first William King, who was uh, who was her tutor, I find I found this interesting. Oh, I thought, you mean the two different William Kings? Well, no. I, actually, I did mean I did mean her future husband. But okay. it was really funny because I it confused me for a second when I was doing the research. I said William King was her tutor, and then as it turns out, there was a William King, not the one she married, as her tutor, who was apparently uh, 
immediately feeling out of his depth as he talked to her, he realized that she had a much more innate grasp of mathematics than he did. Right. So he uh, he actually bowed out very quickly. He was one of the many many. Uh, but uh, yeah, less than a year later, apparently he uh, or uh, Ada married. The other William King, who um, uh, was the eighth Baron King and uh, was an earl, uh, made an earl in 1938. So uh, that's when she became... You mean 1838? 1838. Did I say 1938? Yeah. Dude. Sorry. That's all right. So... Yes, he was made an earl in 1838, and that's when she became the Countess of Lovelace. Yes, so we usually just refer to her as Ada Lovelace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Ada continued her, her... almost obsession with mathematics throughout her life, which yeah. unfortunately was tragically short. Yes. Um, Ada passed away from, uh, uh, after contracting cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was 37. It was 1852 when she died. Yes. Correct? Mm-hmm. November 27th, 1852. Right. Uh, so, but during that, her, her life, she ended up encountering lots of remarkable people. Absolutely. Uh, including, you know, like the author Charles Dickens, who became a, mm-hmm. a, a close friend. One of her other friends was Charles Babbage. Yeah, she met uh, she met Babbage, who was the uh, Lucasian professor of mathematics at Cambridge. Right. Uh, she met him when she was just 17, uh, which is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, 1833 was around when that happened. Um and uh, she she rubbed elbows with other people who were interested in math and science, uh, like uh, Mary Somerville. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, I don't know. Should we get into the uh, the the time when uh, she was talking at a party with uh, Babbage about this new machine? Sure. Eighteen thirty four. Sure. Um, he had come up with this thing. The analytical engine. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's backtrack just a touch before we get into the analytical engine. Right. That was not the first machine that Babbage had proposed. No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, we brought it up before. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the computers the from the past. Right. That was a fun podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, this was a, a more recent one. And as we talked about on that podcast, um, Babbage was having difficulty getting funding for these amazing machines because people just didn't get it. Babbage was able to get sub funding for his first. Uh, uh, machine, which is called the difference, difference engine. engine. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, now, which was different from the other one. Right, it was a little s- more simplistic than his idea for the analytical engine. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference engine, he managed to get some money to fund it, uh, but his the process of building it was a very long, uh, laborious process. Yeah, they had to actually machine these parts by hand and and try and put it all together. And uh, he kind of ran out of money before he ran out of machine. Uh, mm-hmm. The machine was not done yet. And um, it was in the process of this whole construction phase that he got the idea for the analytical machine, which was even more ambitious than the difference yes. engine, right? Mm-hmm. So the analytical engine was going to be uh, more complex and be able to do more than the the difference engine, which you could kind of say was essentially a giant calculator. Right. The right. analytical engine was more like a very primitive computer. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, that uh, that time, that whole time thing, the fact that it was taking a long time to build, did not help him when he was seeking funding for the analytical engine. Right. There were two things all. that two things that bugged uh, that kind of plagued him when he was trying to get some money. One was that he had not finished the difference engine, and that was kind of what he was being paid for in the first place. Yes. So his funders were saying, uh, "Until you build this other machine, you promised us several years ago, we ain't giving you no more money." Yeah. And then the other part of they it probably didn't that, say it like that though. No, they probably said it with an English accent. So it's probably. Till you go and fish that thing, we ain't giving you no more money. <laughs> uh, 
They're apparently I'm so all, glad I made that joke now. They're apparently all played by Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> so um, anyway, at any rate, so Babbage is in a tight spot, but he, he yes. comes up with this idea of the analytical engine, and of course... He's very passionate about it, so he's blabbering on and on about it at mm-hmm. parties. Yes. And then you have young Ada Lovelace, who overhears such talk yes. and thinks, this sounds absolutely fascinating. Neato. And not only does she think it's interesting, she immediately sees the potential to use such a device far beyond even Babbage's uh, concepts. Mm-hmm. Babbage is thinking, well, this would allow you to create uh, an engine that would um, be able to generate the numbers that you would find in a, uh, a logarithmic table. Yes. Because until that point, uh, you pretty much had to be able to come up with those figures by doing the calculations all yourself. And these calculations were pretty complex, and it was easy to to make a, a mistake along the way, which would, of course, affect all of your figures from that point on. Uh, and... He he just he was sitting down one day and he was thinking, what if I could? What if there were a machine, some steam-powered machine that could generate these numbers, so I wouldn't have to, mm-hmm. and then I could I could generate them as far out as I wanted to, uh, and I wouldn't have to worry about error because the machine would just be following the same algorithm over and over and over again. Yes. Well, Ada thought of that, and she even went further. She said that. You could potentially use mathematics to represent other things like text mm-hmm. or images yep. or even music. Yep. She w- had foreseen computers. Yes. Uh, this remarkable woman was able to look at this machine that really was meant to be able to run algorithms so that you could uh, generate more mathematical figures, mainly in the in the pursuit of mathematics itself and things like number theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was able to see even grander uses, which to me is it's 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 one of those discoveries that I just think before that time no one had ever really even considered this, and then she just comes up with it. Just by looking at the this thing and seeing its potential, yes, it's that's where I'm like, okay, this woman was way <laughs> above and beyond smarter than I am. All right, stop geeking out for a second. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I will I will give you a quote from her. As a matter of fact, she uh, she compared it to uh, Jacquard's loom. If, if you will remember, uh, we've mentioned that machine uh, a couple times on the podcast, I believe. Um, this was a a loom that uh, was invented by. Uh, Monsieur Jacquard, and um, basically made a lot of people unhappy because it used punch cards to automate parts of the weaving process. Uh, you could put in a pattern, a card for a pattern, and the, the loom would be able to weave that pattern into the fabric. Well, she said, um, we may say most aptly that the analytical engine weaves algebraical patterns just as a Jacquard loom weaves flowers and leaves. Hmm. So, see, there you go. There's that whole poetry thing. She's, you know, it's just in there. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, even if you, even if you ignore the language, and Ada was very gifted with with words, just yes. as she was with mathematics. Um, the fact that she could see the poetry in in math is again very phenomenal to me. Well, I meant that she was making connections between something that was completely, well, not completely, but in in a wide. In a wide way, it was it was not very related directly to this analytical engine. Uh, also, you might notice um, she sort of foresaw the use of punch cards uh, to mm-hmm. be used for programs. 
So she's already thinking in a programmatic sense. Yeah, actually, uh, Babbage himself talked a little bit about punch cards when he wrote about his analytical engine. Mm, punch. Um, yeah. And in his sense, he was talking about the the use for punch cards for two purposes. And we've talked about this. Uh, Babbage also. We we shouldn't we shouldn't no he's leave him out of this new. amazing innovation as well. Babbage was also amazing in his ability to foresee the future uh, as far as computers are concerned. Now, granted, his devices were all mechanical as opposed to electrical. Yes, but they. The the principles of electronic computing are based very firmly on Babbage's discoveries. Um, Babbage foresaw the use of, of punch cards uh, using two different kinds of, of punch cards. One would be a set of instructions, mm-hmm. and the other would be would represent the constants or variables of whatever formula you're plugging in. So, right. So one is the program, and the other is the information that you plug into the program to m- get a result. Exactly. Same sort of thing that we see in microprocessors today. Mm, what Babbage was doing was uh, was the the precursor to the microprocessor. Mm-hmm. It's just his was a macro processor <laughs> because it was enormous and weighed tons and tons if he had ever managed to actually build it. Look at the um, size of that silicon wafer. Yeah, he never he never <laughs> did uh, build the analytical engine. He did. No. He realized during his lifetime that it was not going to happen, and I'm sure it was a massive disappointment to him. But they have been made since. Yes, there was one created almost like an art project yeah. uh, in the early 90s. and um, Fun. I think it's in a museum now, right? Yeah, actually, I think I think there may be two. Oh, two. To be honest, I think it's one of those things that I ran across a mention of as I was looking specifically for information about Ada Lovelace, so I didn't follow it. But yeah, I think I think I saw that there were two in existence now that had been created just because you can. And and Babbage actually wrote that the analytical engine would uh, eventually contain an apparatus for printing on paper, or if required up to two copies printed out on paper. Hey, that puts um, it ahead of the iPad. Yeah, there you go. I'm kidding. There's software for that. It, has a, it would have a, a means for producing a stereotype mold of the tables or results it computes, and it would have a mechanism for punching on blank pasteboard cards or metal plates the numerical results of any of its computations. So, in other words, you would read it by looking at a punch card. You would find the results of whatever it was that you were... I'm um, trying to uh, to calculate, mm-hmm. and the his uh, his method of uh, of designating a a punch card was actually pretty simple. Mm-hmm. The each punch card had um, had several columns of holes or or columns where you could punch a hole, uh, and ten rows. Mm-hmm. And if you punched the top hole, that would be a one. If you punch the top two, that would be a two. If you punch the top three, that would be a three. So this isn't binary. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So it was a very simple way. You would look at the the punch card and you would say, all right, well, the first number is a three because the first three holes are punched, that kind of thing. It made it pretty easy to read. Yes. But again, Babbage was just thinking in terms of numbers. Lovelace was the one who was thinking in terms of Graphics, music, that kind of thing. That's true. That's true. And then Lovelace comes up with a kind of a, a, a test. She she writes out a program essentially based on Babbage's uh, design for the analytical engine. Now this engine again did not physically exist at this point. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it never existed during his life. Yeah. And and um, and Lovelace predeceased Babbage. So Lovelace looks at this design. And she says, you know what? Um, 
let's just take one uh, one mathematical algorithm, and I will design a program for this engine that would fulfill this algorithm. Mm-hmm. So she decides to create a program that would generate Bernoulli numbers. Yes. I would like to explain to you what a Bernoulli number is. Honestly, I would like to, mm-hmm. but I'm an English major. <laughs> and um, No, seriously, I looked at Bernoulli numbers. I looked up five or six different explanations. And really, it's just a, it's, it's a level of mathematics with which I am not comfortable. So I cannot even explain. Um, they're generated through, the, through a, a, a simple algorithm, relatively simple algorithm. And um, Lovelace was able to create a program that would have generated Bernoulli numbers through the analytic engine had it ever been built. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, yes, you can call her the first computer programmer. Definitely so. Um, yeah, it, uh, I admit it's been a long time since uh, since I took calculus to more than 20 years now. But, um, yeah, the uh, Bernoulli numbers were named for uh, Jacob Bernoulli, uh, who uh, published – actually, the work was published after his death. It was published uh, in 1713. Um, and based on the uh, – and that was uh, in the uh, – R. I hope – I probably am not pronouncing this right – Ars Conjectandi or – yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, he it was published by uh, Mr. Bernoulli, who was one of uh, several in his family to work with math. Um, but the Bernoulli numbers are very, very important because they can be used in a lot of different ways related to number theory and trigonometric fun- functions as well. But yes, number theory. I mean, we're talking about a lot of pure mathematics here. Yeah, it it's basically has to deal with the consecutive integers and and the way the sums of powers are calculated. Yeah, I I. Really read that and um sure yes also i should also point out before anyone writes in uh he was not the first he was not the only person to discover this principle well i mean this is a time of people who are discovering things at the same time right at the same time there was um two different forms of the calculus i want to say it was a japanese scholar who discovered it and also uh, his work was published mm-hmm. after he passed away, and it was published in 1712. Wow. One year before. So, uh, but, but they probably discovered it around the same time. Yeah, because this was actually almost 10 years, I think, after uh, Bernoulli's death. So yeah, right. it, it would have been uh, concurrently simultaneous. Or concurrently simultaneous. <laughs> Sorry. That would have been repetitively redundant. Well, it, it's hard to say who was first, but, uh, right. but they were around the same time, just as, uh, you know, in the immediately preceding years, we have... Uh, the calculus being conceived of it's fast it must have been a really heady time for mathematicians oh sure and uh so yeah i mean the fact that that lovelace was able to you know she she knew of course about this um the algorithm to generate bernoulli numbers and was able to program a uh you know this this is all more or less a thought experiment because again nothing existed with which on upon which she could run this program but she was able to create a program that would have generated bernoulli numbers based upon the way that the analytical engine would have worked. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, one, she understood this, which all, all by itself is pretty amazing to me because, I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that I find it completely incomprehensible. Two, she was able to write a program for something that only existed in theory. I mean, and and she had a lot of influence with Babbage. The two of them together uh, really kind of 
shaped the analytical engine, and they would find errors in each other's work. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like like Babbage would make mistakes because he's human, and Lovelace would find them, and sometimes Lovelace would make mistakes, and Babbage would find them. They had a, a very long history of correspondence, um, and also a web comic. Yes. Yeah, we have to mention that the Lovelace and Babbage webcomic. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, this guys do a search on on the web for the Lovelace and Babbage webcomic because it is phenomenal. I think it's a it's a very playful tongue in cheek tribute to these two individuals, but I think it's also you can tell it's it's made out of love. Yeah. I mean that kind of effort to go into to and it, it, and it's great art. It's great writing. Um. It, it kind of picks up on the presumption of Lovelace and Babbage becoming kind of like uh, crime fighters using computational in the, uh, the the analytical engine to to defeat crime and solve mysteries and what well, does sort of sound like the uh, like it should be a Hanna Barbera show or something kind of but the art's better so uh, true yeah no it's really great stuff I definitely recommend it and you know you know why we got these these emails so close together, right? Why is that? It's because of Ada Lovelace Day. Ah, yes. Now, the very first Ada Lovelace Day was held on tw- the March 24th of 2009. Mm-hmm. And they had another one this year, again, March 24th. And um, you can find information about Ada Lovelace Day on Facebook, on uh, on the web in general. Uh, there's a Twitter feed for uh, called Finding Ada, and Ada is A-D-A, so it's all one word, Finding mm-hmm. Ada. Um, and they try and get people to sign a pledge to blog about Ada Lovelace and kind of uh, increase public awareness of who this woman was and what she accomplished and how really amazing, you know, she was. And um, there, if you look at, at contemporary records of Lovelace, uh, it's it's a little for me it's a little discomforting because it's it's almost dismissive. It's like she's amazing despite the fact that she's a woman. Right. I mean, which is, of course, indicative of the the general of the philosophy era. of the era, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, you know, you, you I ignore that because this woman was just phenomenal, period. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I should point out, too, that uh, that's not the only time she's been honored, um, you know, and recognized for her work. Uh, the As a matter of fact, oddly enough, the United States Department of Defense honored her with her own program own programming language yeah, called, called ADA, ADA in yeah. 1979. So she's, I think she's fascinating enough that she just sort of keeps popping up in history from time to time. People get fascinated and want to learn more about her and, and right. for every reason, she's absolutely brilliant lady. Anyone anyone who has a computer science background yeah. has heard of her oh, yeah. just from their, their studies. But um, yeah, I, I can't help but feel that had she not had cancer, had she been able to to live on and continue her work, um, that possibly the era of computers would have come a little faster. Now, it's possible. It's the main thing that would have had to have happened was that uh, the combination of Lovelace and Babbage's work would together would have to convince people to invest in completing the analytical engine mm-hmm. um, because, of course, they didn't have the the resources at their disposal to create an electrical computer. Right. They would still ha- it would still have been a mechanical instrument, and who knows how sophisticated it, it ultimately would have been. It may be that her vision of of mathematics representing music and, and graphics and that sort of thing would take longer and possibly a totally different form factor than the analytical engine. But uh, We might compute completely differently than we do now. Yeah, who knows? It could have been a very steampunk kind of, uh, kind of future. Yeah. Right? Well, 
I hope we did justice to uh, to Ada Lovelace uh, again. And if you want to know more about her as a person, definitely check out uh, the Stuff You Missed in History class. Podcast yes, they do. They do uh, an excellent compliment. job. Yeah, we I listened to it before we did this podcast, and uh, and and Katie and Sarah really do a great job yeah. at, at giving an idea of what her life was like, and mm-hmm. especially uh, her relationship with her mother, which was a very complex relationship um, and sometimes combative. But it's a it's an interesting story, kind mm-hmm. of tragic ultimately, but definitely helped shape the way uh, the, the history of computers. Yes. And uh, since that wraps up that discussion, I thought we'd go on to a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Johnny, and Johnny says, Hey guys, I heard that Stuff You Should Know is making t-shirts. How about we have a t-shirt contest? Also, you said in your microchip podcast that you guys were related to the Science Channel. What's going on here? Is there any other things that How Stuff Works is related to? Thanks. Well, Johnny, um, as for the t-shirt thing, I wouldn't hold my breath right now. Uh, Stuff You Should Know is is by far our most popular podcast, and of course has the, the biggest audience, which is fantastic. It's a great show. Uh, and so, we've kind of, we've kind of of trying to see how that goes before we do any other kind of t-shirt stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep it in mind, but I'm I'm not gonna. I don't I don't see it happening in the near future. However, you did ask what our relationship was to the Science Channel. Yeah, you, you want to take that one, Chris? Well, of course, uh, we are a part of Discovery Communications, right? Uh, and uh, there are lots and lots of really awesome TV channels and uh, websites related to that, like the Discovery Channel, Science. Mm-hmm. Channel, TLC, Planet Green, Animal Planet, right, and all those guys. Yeah, so we other are, websites like Treehugger.com, which is right. awesome. Yeah, so we're part of a really big family, and that's what uh, Paulette meant when he said that uh, the Science Channel was kind of related to us. We're all kind of under the umbrella of Discovery Communications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, if any of you have any other questions, send them in to us. Our email address is techstuff at house. StuffWorks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?